Turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. And as you're turning in your Bible, I want to welcome our radio listeners across metropolitan Toronto and beyond. Our theme today is Lessons from a Poor Widow. Lessons from a Poor Widow. As I was preparing for this message, I said to myself, wow, as best as I can recall, if any of you recall better, you tell me, but as best as I can recall, I, I don't remember ever bringing a message from the poor widow. I, I thought, 34 years of pastoring, and certainly I've read and know the story, and many or most of you know it, but I thought, how can it be that I've never probably brought a message from here? Well, it's time to do so. <laughs> and here is how the story goes. In Mark 12, beginning at verse 41. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, by the way, I want you to notice, Jesus felt this was so important. He wanted to make sure the disciples noticed this and got it, that Jesus called his disciples. He said, come on over here. You've got you've to see this, and I've got to tell you something. And so in verse 43, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Wow. Wow. What are some of the lessons relevant to your life and mine that we uncover from these few Bible verses, this brief account? Well, one of the lessons that comes across to me is this. First one is this. The Lord sees what you and I give. This truth obviously comes from verse 41 where it says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. The collection box refers to one of 13 money chests into which donations were placed in the temple in Jerusalem, which was the Jews' favorite place of worship. And I, I, I never really thought about it. I never really thought about it before, but when I read verse 31, I thought, wow, when I read this verse that says Jesus watched as the crowds dropped in their offering, 
I thought, wow, Jesus saw what they gave. And he sees what each one of us gives to the Lord's work. Now, of course, in the story which we just read, Jesus was, was physically there in the temple watching. Now he sees what's going on from heaven. I, I, it, I, maybe, maybe this has struck you sometimes when you have read this part of the Bible, but, but just, it just kind of hit me. I thought, wow, the Lord watches what's going on. And as I'm reminded of how the Lord sees what you and I give, I, I want to say, Lord, Lord, I want what I give, what I give, what Pastor Nick gives to your ministry, Lord. I want, I want it to be pleasing to you. I want to give, Lord, with a right spirit. Lord, I want to give with a right attitude. I want to give cheerfully. I thought of 2 Corinthians in the Bible, chapter 9, verse 7, which says, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I said, Lord, I, I want to be giving cheerfully. And speaking, speaking of uh, giving cheerfully, one Sunday morning, a father gave his son a couple of quarters and a dollar. Maybe it was a, a loony. But anyway, so this father gave his son a couple of quarters and a dollar, and uh, the father said, put the dollar in the offering. Son, put the dollar in the offering, and then you can, you can have the 50 cents for ice cream or whatever. Well, when the boy came home, the boy still had his dollar. Well, why didn't you put the dollar in the offering, his father asked. Well, it was like this, the boy explained. The minister said that God loves a cheerful giver. And I could give the 50 cents a whole lot more cheerfully than I could give the dollar. <laughs> Amen. The Lord sees what you and I give. May you and I be givers with the right attitude and the right spirit and cheerfully, cheerfully giving. And I want to express praise and thanksgiving to God for the fact that so many of you have given to the Lord's work for many years with a wonderful spirit, an encouraging spirit, a spirit of, of love for the Lord, a spirit of, this is a privilege for me to give. A spirit of, Lord, I want to do my best for you. There's a second lesson that, that strikes, strikes me as I think about this story. And the second lesson is this. The Lord is more concerned about whether or not our giving is actually a sacrifice than he is concerned about the dollar amount given. Think about what we just read in the Bible, and you'll begin to see that this is the truth that is communicated. Notice how verse 41 says, many rich people put in large amounts. 
In verse 42, then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. I did a study, a little study on the two small coins that she put into the offering in the temple, the place of worship. I did a little study and learned that quite a few Bible scholars estimate that the two coins were worth, get this, they were only worth about one sixty-fourth of a normal day's pay. One sixty-fourth of a normal day's pay. In other words, the two small coins that she put into the offering that day in the temple, those two coins were not worth very much. And yet, look again at what Jesus says in verse 43 and 44. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. By the way, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if the disciple Peter if the disciple Peter had thought of saying, Jesus, she only gave two small coins. How can you possibly say the poor widow has given more than all the others? I, I, I'm, I'm quite certain that Peter probably would have thought of saying something like that. Well, I've, I visit a lot of people in a lot of hospitals across Toronto and Mississauga and Whitby, Oshawa, and so on, all over the place. I visit a lot of hospitals across the city, and many times, many times I'll see a certain wing of a hospital named after a person or a family who made a large donation to the hospital. Now, no one, no one would have named a hospital building after the poor widow. No one would have named a hospital building after the poor widow for her gift of two, two small coins. But Jesus looks at a person's heart. Amen? Jesus looks at your heart and mine. He looks at the heart. Dr. William Hendrickson in his commentary on this portion of Scripture that we are studying beautifully says this. He says, By human calculation, what the widow gave was insignificant. Measured by divine standard, however, her contribution was priceless. Isn't that beautiful? And when the question question is asked, what was it that made her gift so precious? The answer is that all the others had given out of their abundance. She gave out of her poverty. That's the big difference. From, from, from what I've, I've heard, some of, you, some of you are mature enough to fill me in a little bit more on this. From what I've heard, I used to think, I used to think that um, 50 to 60 years ago, I used to think that Christians used to be a lot more generous in giving donations to the Lord's work, to their local church, whether, whether it's the Church of the Nazarene or the Baptist Church or the Pentecostal Church, Anglican or, or um, Methodist or any church. 
just from what I've heard from some wonderful older people, I, I used to think that <clears throat> people used to be more generous in their giving to the Lord's work. Then in preparation for this message, I was reading, I was reading <clears throat> Dr. William Barclay's comments on the story of the poor widow. And, and I am surprised what Dr. Barclay wrote 60 years ago. He wrote, he wrote this book in 1955. I'm surprised what he wrote. Here, here is what he said. Here's what Dr. Barclay said. He says, Real giving must be sacrificial. The amount of the gift never matters so much as its cost to the giver. Not the size of the gift, but the sacrifice. Real generosity gives until it hurts. Now get this. This is, this is what really surprises me that he wrote this 60 years ago. He says, For many of us, it is a real question if ever our giving to God's work is any sacrifice at all. He says, few people will do without their pleasures to give a little more work, uh, to give a little more to the work of God. He says, it may well be a sign of the failure of our Christianity that gifts have to be coaxed out of church people and that often they will not give at all unless they get something back in the way of entertainment or of goods. There can be few of us who read this story of the poor widow without shame. Now, when I read Dr. Barclay's statement where he says gifts have to be coaxed out of church people, I, I, thought, I thought, you know what? Praise the Lord, I don't ever recall, I don't ever recall feeling like, like donations have to be coaxed out of our Rosewood Church family. Isn't that good? I, I've, I read that, and he wrote that 60 years ago, and I thought, praise the Lord, I've never, I've never felt that way. Well, my friends, next Sunday, next Sunday, November the 1st, you and I, all of us, all of us who are a regular part of Rosewood Church, Pastors and lay people are being asked to make a monthly pledge to our mortgage fund. Our goal, our goal is to give $21,000 per month from this current month to the end of September 2016. And uh, if you look in your bulletin, you'll find, you'll find a pledge card that says, my mortgage fund, my mortgage fund pledge. All right, if you want to just pull that out, or you, you can see them right in front of you on the back of the seat. And that card basically says, I want to exemplify faith and sacrifice during the one-year period of October 1, 2015 through September 30th, 2016. I'm trusting the Lord to help me give a certain amount per month to our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene Mortgage Fund. I recognize my donation will help pay our church's monthly mortgages. My pledge is over and above my regular tithes. And so keep in mind this truth, this truth we've been talking about of how the Lord, the Lord is more concerned about whether or not our giving is actually a sacrifice than he is concerned about the amount given. 
and as, as you and I think and pray about what our personal pledge will be, is, is your pledge amount going to be a sacrifice? Is your pledge going to be a sacrifice or is it going to be, here are a few dollars per month which, which I'll, I'll hardly miss? It's between you and the Lord. It's between me and the Lord. It's not about equal giving. It's about, as we say, equal sacrifice. Now, when we started making pledges like this uh, 15 years ago, our consultant, Reverend Fred Witte, told us that when our pledging time comes, he said the senior pastor, that's me, he said the senior pastor needs to tell our congregation what amount the pastor and his spouse will be pledging. And so in keeping, in keeping with our consultant's instructions, I want to share with you that my wife and I will be pledging $1,100 per month over and above our regular tithes. And so I want to ask you to pray and determine what your pledge will be next Sunday. Amen? Let's go to a, a third truth uh, that we, we, we glean from this story, and it is this. The widow's example teaches us to not hold back anything from God. To not hold anything back. Stick with me. Uh, you know what? I never thought of this truth until I was preparing for this message. Notice how verse 42 says, verse 42 says, then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Now verse 44 tells us she has given everything she had to live on. Now think about it. Think about it. The woman could have kept one coin for herself, right? She could have kept one coin for herself. It would, it would not have been much, but it would have been a little something. Yet she gave everything she had. She gave both coins. There is a great, there is a great symbolic truth here, and it is this. There is, there is so often some part of our lives. So often there is some part of our lives, some part of our activities, some part of ourselves which we do not hand over, which we do not give to our Lord Jesus Christ. Somehow there is nearly always something that we hold back. We rarely make the final sacrifice, and the final surrender. In a sense, by giving both coins that day, by giving both coins, that dear lady was saying, Lord, I am not holding back anything from you. Are you with me now? Lord, I'm not holding back anything from you. And, and so you and I need to ask ourselves this question. Is there anything in your life, is there anything in your life that you have been holding back from totally surrendering to the Lord? Anything you've been holding back? 
perhaps your talents, your time, your treasures. I want to encourage you today to make a decision to turn over everything in your life to the Lord. And the starting point, the starting point for that is by beginning to repent of your sins, to ask God to forgive you of your sins. And he can forgive you. He can forgive me. He is able to forgive us because Jesus, his son, died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And so, you and I have the privilege of saying, Lord, I commit my life to you. I begin to put my faith and trust in Jesus. And Lord, I want to continue to live my life devoted to you. And Lord, someday, maybe even today, someday, I, I, want, I want to do as the widow did, to make a decision to not hold back anything from you. Sometimes we call it full surrender. Sometimes we call it entire sanctification. But you and I can choose to start our relationship with the Lord and we can progress and come to that point of saying, Lord, I do not hold anything back from you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the lessons that we learn from this dear widow. And Lord, I, I pray, I pray, Lord, that you would challenge each one of us to take seriously these lessons and live them out. Live them out in, in our lives in accordance with our personal situation. Lord, as I think of the fact that you, you see what's going on with each one of us, Lord, may, may we each one live life in such a way that you are pleased. You are pleased with what we're thinking, with what we're doing, with what we're giving to your ministry. And Lord, how good it is to know that we can come to a point when we say, Lord, I'm not holding anything back from you any longer, for I've made my decision, and there's no turning back. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Would you stand, my friends? Would you stand? And let us sing. Let us sing this beautiful hymn, I Surrender All. I Surrender All. As we sing it, if some of you wish to spend some moments in prayer, you can come, kneel, or stand around the altar. And in your own way, you can talk to the Lord about the truths that we have uncovered from the story of the widow's offering. You want to talk to the Lord about whatever, whatever is upon your heart. But whoever you are, I hope that each one of us is coming and will come to that point where we say, Lord, I do not hold back anything from you any longer, but I truly surrender all.
This can be that day when you say, Lord, I surrender all to you. You feel free to come and have some moments in prayer as we sing. Let's sing.